After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated, Now with regards to the accounts from the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr Anhu, his views and action against those who refused to pay the zakat were being mentioned. Further details regarding this have been mentioned in Tariq At-Tabari in the following manner. The tribes of Asad, Ghatfan and Ta gathered at the hand of Tuleha bin Khuwalid, who had made a false claim to prophethood. And except for a few individuals, the people belonging to the tribe of Asad gathered at a place called Sumira. This place has been named after an individual from the tribe of Ad, situated on the way to Mecca. And the area is surrounded by black mountains, which is the reason for this place to be named as such. The people of Fuzara and Ghatfan gathered in the south of Tiba, alongside their allies. And the people of Teh gathered at the outskirts of their area. And the supporters from the tribes of Salba bin Saad and Murra bin Abbas gathered at a place called Abrak in Rabaza. Rabaza is also a valley of Medina and it is located at a distance of three days. Abrak Zabada was one of the places that belonged to the tribe of Zubian and some individuals from Banu Kinana also joined them. However, those areas could not accommodate them and as such two groups were formed. One group remained in Abrak whereas the other group went to Zulqassa, which is located at a distance of 40 miles from Medina. Tulayha sent Hibal to their aid, and Hibal was the nephew of Tulayha. But in any case, in this manner Hibal became the leader of the people in Zulqassa, which also included supporters from the tribes of Asad, Lais, Bil and Mudlij. And Orf bin Fulan bin Sinan was appointed as the leader of the tribe of Murra, which was staying in Abrak. And Haris bin Fulan, who belonged to the tribe of Subay, 
was appointed as the leader of the tribes of Salba and Abbas. These tribes then sent their delegations to Medina. They all gathered together and each tribe sent its respective delegation. And they stayed with the elders of Medina. All of them, with the exception of Hazrat Abbas, accommodated them as their guests and brought them to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. However, the condition that had been stipulated was that they would continue to offer their prayers but not give the zakat. Allah had firmly grounded Abu Bakr on the truth and he said that even if they refuse to give this rope as zakat which is used to tie their camels, I will fight against them. In relation to what the condition was of those delegations who refused to pay the zakat and were now returning from Medina after having seen Hazrat Abu Bakr take this stand, one historian states, that when these delegations saw Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu's resolve, they left Medina and returned. However, as they were leaving Medina, they were contemplating over two matters. Firstly, no discussion with relation to not paying the zakat would be fruitful. The Islamic injunction in this regard was clear and it did not seem possible that the Khalifa would change his stance and resolve, especially as the Muslims agreed with his view and were ready to support him as the matter had become clear and evident to them. Secondly, in order to take advantage of the weakness and the lack of numbers of Muslims, they decided to launch such a severe attack on Medina, which would topple the Muslim government, and in this way put an end to their religion. This was the view they held. They believed that in this way, they would be able to finish their religion and conquer them. In any case, these people returned to their tribes and said that there are very few people in Medina at this time and incited them to launch an attack. But on the other hand, Hazrat Abu Bakr was not unaware of this and after these delegations returned from Medina, he appointed guards to continuously keep watch at every post of Medina. Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Zubair, Hazrat Talha and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud were appointed for this task and according to another narration, Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas and Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Auf were also mentioned to have been appointed to keep watch. Aside from this, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed all the people of Medina to gather in the mosque. He then stated to them that all the people of the land have become disbelievers and their delegations have left having seen your small numbers. And you do not know if they will attack you during the day or the night. He further stated that their closest group among them is only one barid away. One barid is equivalent to 12 miles. He then stated that some among them desired for us to accept their terms and for us to accommodate them, but we refused this and rejected their terms. Therefore, you must now prepare to fight. This analysis of Hazrat Abu Bakr turned out to be completely correct and after only three nights, those who refused to pay the zakat launched an attack on Medina at nightfall. 
They left one group of their confederates in Zuhissa as reinforcements if required. Zuhissa is one of the waters of Banu Fuzara situated between the Rabazah and Nakhl. In any case, the assailants reached the posts of Medina at night and there were soldiers who had already reached there. They were then followed by others who were climbing up and the guards at these posts alerted the people of this attack of the enemies and people were rushed to inform Hazrat Abu Bakr of this advance of the enemies. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent word for everyone to remain firm in their positions and the whole army did so. Hazrat Abu Bakr then took all the Muslims present in the mosque and after mounting their camels, they made their way to them and the enemy was defeated. The Muslims on their camels pursued them until they reached Zuhissa and the group of reinforcements of the enemies came forth to combat the Muslims with their leather water containers filled with air and tied together with ropes. They would kick these leather water containers with their feet so they would dangle in front of the camels and seeing as camels are most frightened by such moving objects in front of them, all the camels of the Muslims became startled by these water skins and began to flee. The Muslims who were riding them were unable to control them until they reached Medina once more. In the end, no harm was inflicted upon the Muslims and nor did they manage to obtain anything. From this supposed defeat of the Muslims, the enemies came under the impression that the Muslims were weak and unable to fight. And with this assumption in mind, they informed their comrades stationed in Zuhissa of the events. And so, trusting in this news, they came forth to this group, but they were unaware that Allah the Almighty already had other plans for them, which he was indeed going to fulfill. Hazrat Abu Bakr was occupied all night in preparing the army and then in the latter part of the night, having formed the army, they departed on foot. Numan bin Mukarrin was appointed to overlook the right flank whilst Abdullah bin Mukarrin was appointed to oversee the left flank and Suwaid bin Mukarrin was appointed over the rear part of the army when they had some cavalry too. The sun had not yet risen when the Muslims met those who refused to pay the zakat in the battlefield. The enemy had no clue or inkling of the Muslims coming and suddenly the Muslims attacked them with their swords. The fight ensued in the last part of the night and the rays of the sun had not yet shone upon them from the horizon when the opponents were defeated and they began to flee. It is further recorded that the Muslims took all of their animals into their possession and during this incident Hibal was killed and Hazrat Abu Bakr pursued them until they reached Zulqasa and stopped them. This was the first victory granted to the Muslims by Allah the Almighty. Hazrat Abu Bakr stationed Hazrat Numan bin Mukarrin and a few others there and returned to Medina himself. This particular reference is from Tariq At-Tabari. Then whilst comparing this battle to the Battle of Badr, an author writes that on this occasion, the faith and conviction, steadfastness and determination 
and resolve and stability demonstrated by Hazrat Abu Bakr reinvigorated the hearts of the Muslims with memories of the battles during the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This first battle during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr was quite similar to the Battle of Badr. On the day of the Battle of Badr took place, the Muslims numbered a meagre 313 men, while the idolaters of Mecca exceeded a thousand. And even on this occasion, i.e. during the battle taking place between Hazrat Abu Bakr and the enemies, the Muslim forces were very small in number, and on the opposing side the tribes of Abbas, Zubiyan and Ghatfan faced the Muslims with a large army. At the time of Badr, Allah the Almighty granted the Muslims victory over the idolaters, and on this occasion Hazrat Abu Bakr and his companions demonstrated their perfect faith and attained victory over their enemies. Just as the Battle of Badr brought about far-reaching results, similarly this battle also had a deep impact on the future of Islam. Out of their anger and rage from this defeat, the tribes of Banu Zubyan and Banu Abbas suddenly attacked the Muslims living amongst them and subjected them to severe brutalities as they martyred them. This was their retribution to martyr the hundreds and thousands of Muslims living in their regions and subsequently other tribes followed their lead. Upon learning of these atrocities, Hazrat Abu Bakr vowed to severely kill the idolaters and to go to each tribe and avenge the Muslims who had lost their lives by taking the lives of those who had martyred them. Under the leadership and guidance of Hazrat Abu Bakr, after the onslaughts of those who refused to pay the zakat were brought to a halt, one after the other, the weaker and wavering tribes started to come to Medina in order to offer their zakat. When the weaker tribes observed what had happened to the larger and more powerful tribes, then all those who were withholding their zakat came to offer their zakat in Medina. Some tribes began to arrive with their zakat in the first part of the night, and some came in the middle of the night, and others in the latter part of the night. When each of these caravans would arrive in Medina, the people would perceive them as bearers of a warning, or in other words, bearers of bad news. However, at every instance, Hazrat Abu Bakr would say that these people were bearers of glad tidings, and had come to offer help rather than causing harm. Thus, when it was realized that these caravans of people were coming to support Islam and bringing with them capital to be offered as zakat, the people addressed Hazrat Abu Bakr and stated, that indeed you are a very blessed man, for you have always been accompanied by glad tidings. At this occasion, Hazrat Abu Bakr also stated, that bearers of bad news and ill intentions travel very swiftly, while on the other hand, parties of those who bear glad tidings travel unhurriedly and with a peace of mind, and I can discern the truth of the matter by their speed. After the victory against those who refused to pay zakat, it is recorded in Tariq al-Tabari with regards to the collection of zakat, that during that point in time, zakat was being received by Medina to such a degree that exceeded the needs of the Muslims. Whilst attaining these victories and glad tidings, the army of Hazrat Usama also returned to Medina with victory and success. Upon his return, Hazrat Usama was appointed by Hazrat Abu Bakr as his representative in Medina. And it is also stated that Hazrat Abu Bakr appointed Sanan Zamri as his representative and told him and his army that at present you should rest and allow your mounts to rest as well. Following this, Hazrat Abu Bakr took his mount along with the rest of the people and departed for Zulqasa himself.
However, the Muslims humbly submitted to Hazrat Abu Bakr and stated that, O Khalifa of the Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, we request you for the sake of Allah not to partake in this expedition. Because, if God forbid, you are afflicted by any harm, then our whole order will collapse, and we request you to appoint someone else in your stead for this task, so that if anything were to happen to them, then you could appoint someone else in their place. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that by Allah, I will not do this. I will provide comfort and protection for you with my life. Then, in regards to the assault launched against the people of Rabaza, it is recorded that after making all the arrangements, Hazrat Abu Bakr departed for Zulhissa and Zulqassa. Zulqassa is a place located a distance of 40 miles from Medina. Numan, Abdullah and Suwaid were in their positions. When Hazrat Abu Bakr came upon the people of Rabaza at Abraq, a severe battle ensued and ultimately Allah the Almighty caused Haris and Awf to be defeated, all of whom were the chieftains of the tribes of Murrah, Salba and Abbas, and Hutayyah was captured alive. For a few days, Hazrat Abu Bakr remained in Abraq and transformed that lush green land of Abraq into the grazing grounds for the horses of the Muslims. After facing defeat in this battle, the people of Banu Abs and Banu Zubiyan convened with Tuleha, who had travelled from Sumera to Buzakha, where he took refuge. Buzakha is the name of a spring of the people of Banu Asad, and it is at this place that a great battle took place between Hazrat Abu Bakr and Tuleha Asadi. Furthermore, with regards to the state of the defeated tribes, an author writes that Abbas, Zubiyan, Ghatfan, Bani Bakr and all other rebellious tribes in the near vicinity of Medina ought to have seized in their treachery and stubbornness and become absolutely obedient to Hazrat Abu Bakr and agree to fulfil the fundamental injunctions of Islam. As a result, they would have joined the Muslim ranks and fought against the apostates. And it would have been very wise to do so, and the events that ensued also supported this. Because of Hazrat Abu Bakr, the opposition had lost their footing, and the victories accomplished at the borders of the Byzantine Empire also inspired over the people of Medina. The strength of the Muslims had greatly increased, and they were no longer in that state of weakness which was prevalent during the days of the Battle of Badr and other early battles that took place. Now Makkah was on their side, and so was Taif, and the supremacy of both cities had been established all across Arabia. And apart from this, large Muslim populations lived amongst those tribes whom the rebellious people could not incite them to join along with them. And so their position became extremely fragile. Despite all of that, their enmity towards the Muslims had blinded them and they slowly started to lose sense of what was advantageous or disadvantageous for them. They had forsaken their homeland and joined forces with the false claimant of prophethood from the tribe of Banu Asad, Tulayha bin Khuwalid. Even the Muslims who were amongst them could not stop them from their ill intentions. And with their arrival, Tulayha and Musalma gained an increase in strength, and the flames of rebellion began to erupt in Yemen. In any case, one should always remember that these people rebelled and started a war, this war was not fought against them simply because someone had claimed prophethood. In fact, they were contending against a rebellion and were responding to the war that was waged against them.
Then, whilst mentioning about the victory against those who refused to pay the zakat, and Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu's courage and determination, Abdullah bin Mas'ud relates that after the demise of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, we were faced with such a situation that had Allah not helped us through Abu Bakr Siddiq, we were surely going to perish. All of the Muslims unanimously agreed that we would not fight against the enemy over the camels belonging to Zakat and instead would occupy ourselves in the worship of Allah until we attained complete victory. However, Abu Bakr Siddiq had made a firm resolve to fight against those who refused to pay the zakat. And he put two options before those who refused to pay the zakat and no third option was given to them. Either they were to accept humiliation and failure or they prepared to be exiled or fight. To accept humiliation and failure meant that they accept that those who had been slain from among them were hellbound and those who had been killed from among us were destined for paradise and also to pay the blood money for those they had killed. Moreover, they were not to demand anything back from the spoils of war which we had acquired from them, but whatever they had taken from us would have to be returned. And with regards to being exiled, it meant that after having been defeated, they would have to leave their areas and dwell in far-off lands. With regards to this, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that following the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when certain tribes of Arabia refused to pay the zakat, Hazrat Abu Bakr was ready to fight against them. The situation at the time was so delicate that even the likes of Hazrat Umar suggested to show leniency. However, as has been mentioned once before as well, that Hazrat Abu Bakr responded, What authority does the son of Abu Kuhafa possess to abrogate a commandment which the Messenger of Allah had given? Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. By God, if in the time of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, these people gave in zakat even a rope with which they tied the legs of the camels with, then I shall take that from them as well, and I shall not rest until they do not pay the zakat. He then said to his companions, that if you cannot support me in this matter, then by all means don't, but I will fight against them even on my own. Hazrat Muslim Allah further states that such was his level of obedience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and that despite the extremely dangerous circumstances, and despite the distinguished companions were suggesting not to fight against them, but even then he was willing to take on every kind of danger in order to fulfill the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. On another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud states that during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr, when the disorder of apostasy began to spread all over, and prayers in congregation were only being offered in the villages, and also the army of Hazrat Usama had been sent to Syria, Hazrat Abu Bakr sent an instruction to those who had to pay the zakat in which he stated that if even someone only gave a rope in zakat during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he would take that from them by the force of the sword if they refused to give it. Even a brave and courageous man like Hazrat Umar expressed his opinion that in view of the situation they should not insist on the payment of the zakat. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr did not agree with him at all and from this one can ascertain how important zakat is. Hazrat Muslim Aud mentioned this during his speech in which he spoke about the various stages of taqwa, i.e. righteousness, and how important the paying of zakat was for those who tread the path of righteousness. Hazrat Muslim Aud also stated that Ahmadis should also be mindful of the importance of zakat and they should pay particular attention towards its payment. 
On another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu stated that the concept of zakat is extremely important. However, people have failed to understand it. After the observance of Salat, God Almighty has commanded to pay the zakat. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu stated that I will treat those who refuse to pay the zakat in the same manner as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would treat the disbelievers. I will take their men and women as slaves. Following the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, there emerged such a trial whereby people in the entire land of Arabia, except for Mecca, Medina and one other area, started to become apostates. Hazrat Umar suggested that they should establish peace with those who were refusing to pay the zakat and first fight against those who were becoming apostates, and the others would gradually be reformed as a result. The first and foremost task was to eradicate the false claimants to prophethood because their dissension was far more severe. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that if people fail to pay even a young goat or the rope with which they tie the leg of a camel in zakat, which they previously paid in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then I shall fight against them. And if you all leave me, and even if the wild beasts of the jungle were to join and attack Medina, I will fight against them on my own. This is also one of the blessings of Khilafat, in that the Khalifa of the time makes every effort in order to uphold the Shariat. Then, on another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Maud radiallahu stated, that another allegation which is raised by people has been answered by God Almighty 1300 years ago. Those who raise the allegation claim that Shavirhum fil Amr, I consult them in matters of administration, was an instruction to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So, how does this apply to Khilafat? They claim that this instruction is not for Khilafat. However, such people should remember that this is a very similar allegation to the one people raised against Hazrat Abu Bakr, which was with regards to Zakat. With regards to Khuzmin and Walihim Sadaqa, I take arms out of their wealth, they claim that this was an instruction for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And since he has passed away, therefore no one else had the right to take Sadaqa. The one who had been instructed for this had passed away. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu stated to them that now he was the addressee of this instruction. Though the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had passed away, however, the Shariat is still intact and thus the Khalifa of the time is being addressed. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu further stated in his speech, And in the same way I say to the one who has leveled this allegation against me, that I am now the addressee of this commandment. If this reply that was given by Hazrat Abu Bakr was true at the time, and indeed it was, then what I say today is also true, in that I am now being addressed, and this principle shall always apply to Khilafat. One should always be mindful of this. Hazrat Muslim Aud further states that if what you claim is true, then many commandments of the Holy Quran would have to be taken out, and this would be utter humiliation. Hazrat Muslim Aud was mentioning this in a speech on the institution of Khilafat. On another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Aud stated Upon the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Many ignorant Muslims became apostates. It is recorded in history that there were only three places remaining where prayers were being offered at the mosques in congregation. Similarly, many people in the land refused to pay the zakat, and they claimed that after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, how could anyone have the right to take zakat from them? When this uprising spread across the whole of Arabia, 
and Hazrat Abu Bakr decided to strictly deal with such people. Hazrat Umar and various other companions came to Hazrat Abu Bakr and as has been mentioned earlier, they stated that this is a very sensitive time and even the slightest of negligence can result in a great loss. Therefore, we suggest that we should not contend with such a large enemy and we should treat those who do not wish to pay the zakat with leniency. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that whoever amongst you is fearful can go wherever they please. By God, even if not a single one of you stands with me in support, I will still go and fight against the enemy. And even if the enemy were to enter Medina and kill my relatives and friends, and even if dogs were to drag the corpses of women through the streets of Medina, I shall still fight against them. And I will continue to fight against them to the point that they give in zakat even the rope they tied the feet of their camels with, which they previously used to give in zakat. Therefore, Hazrat Abu Bakr bravely fought against the evil ploys of the enemy and was ultimately granted victory. This is because he believed that this was a task that only he could carry out. This is why when the companions presented their suggestions, he stated that whether they stood in support with him or not, he was ready to fight against the enemy even on his own and would not stop until his life was sacrificed in the way of God Almighty. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu stated that thus a nation which instills such level of resolve in them, they always succeed and the enemy cannot stand against them. This is the secret to the success of nations which one has to always be mindful of. On another occasion, Hazrat Muslim radiallahu stated that after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when thousands of people in Arabia became apostates owing to their disagreement on the issue of zakat and Musalma was going to attack Medina, at that time Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was the Khalifa, was informed that Musalma, along with an army of a hundred thousand, was coming to launch an attack on Medina. At that time, some people suggested to Hazrat Abu Bakr that since they were passing through a sensitive period and owing to a disagreement on the issue of zakat, people were becoming apostates and Musalma had arrived with such a large force, therefore it would be wise that in light of the situation, they should initially establish peace with those who were refusing to pay the zakat. Hazrat Abu Bakr however did not worry even in the slightest about the dangers and said to those who were presenting these suggestions, that are you trying to convince me to do something which goes directly against the commandment of Allah and the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him? The commandment of zakat is from God Almighty and His Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Thus it is incumbent upon me to do everything I can to defend the commandment of God and His Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The companions once again suggested that in light of the situation, it would be better to establish peace with them. But Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that if you do not wish to fight and cannot muster the strength to fight against the enemy, then you may leave and sit in your homes. By God, I shall continue to fight the enemy on my own to the point that they give even the rope to tie the legs of the camel which they were supposed to give for zakat. And I will not establish peace with them until I am able to convince them to pay the zakat. Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud states that this is the hallmark of true faith and this indeed is faith. If we instill this within ourselves, then we can spread the true message of Islam and we will inshallah be successful. Then, on another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states 
that after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the tribes of Arabia rebelled and also refused to pay the zakat. And the argument they presented was that no one aside from the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had the right to collect the zakat. Allah the Almighty addresses the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saying that, O Muhammad وسلم, take arms out of their wealth. They, i.e. the rebels, said that it is not written anywhere that zakat was to be taken after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Although this verse directly addressed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, nonetheless the Muslims did not accept their argument. In any case, the biggest argument presented by those people who became apostates at the time was that nobody other than the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had the right to take zakat. And the reason they fell into this error was because they did not consider those commandments related to administrative matters to be followed permanently. Rather, they thought that those commandments were limited to the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu states that this notion is absolutely false, and just as the commandments pertaining to offering prayers and fasting did not stop at the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, likewise, those commandments which were related to administrative and social matters did not finish with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Just like prayer in congregation, which is a collective worship, it is necessary that these commandments are also established amongst the Muslims through the representatives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. On another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, passed away and Hazrat Abu Bakr was appointed as the Khalifa, at that time all of Arabia became apostates. Aside from Makkah, Medina and a small town, everyone stopped paying the zakat and they said, that Allah commanded the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, min amwalihim that is, take arms out of their wealth. And so no one else has the right to take zakat from us. Thus all of Arabia became apostates and they began preparations for war. They did not simply become apostates, but they also made preparations for war. And in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, even though Islam was weak, the Arab tribes would attack individually. And at times one tribe would attack and at times another. And during the Battle of Ahzab, when the disbelievers gathered together to attack the Muslims, by that time Islam had gained some considerable strength. But it had not gathered enough strength that the Muslims would feel at ease from future attacks. Subsequently, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went to conquer Makkah, at that time certain Arab tribes joined him to assist him. And in this manner, Allah the Almighty instilled a passion within the enemies gradually, lest they gain strength and take over the entire land. However, in the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu all of Arabia became apostates at once. And aside from Makkah, Medina and a small town, in all other places, the people refused to pay the zakat and they gathered an army for battle. They not only refused to pay the zakat, but they also set out for war with an army. In some areas, they even had an army of 100,000. However, the case of the Muslims was that they only had an army of 10,000 and that too was departing for Syria. This was the same army that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had instructed to march upon Byzantine lands and had appointed Usama as the commander of the army. Aside from this, the only people left behind were either elderly, weak or a handful of youths. Upon witnessing this situation, 
The companions thought that during this time of rebellion, if the army of Osama departed, there would be no means of safeguarding Medina. Thus, a delegation consisting of the distinguished companions went to Hazrat Abu Bakr and this has been mentioned before as well, that they submitted that the sending of the army ought to be delayed for some time, and when the rebellion is quashed, then it could be sent. They said that sending the army in such circumstances was extremely perilous. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated in a very angry tone, that do you wish that the first command issued by the son of Abu Quhafa after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is to stop the army that was commanded by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him himself? In any case, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that this army will be sent and that I will certainly make sure of it that it departs as instructed by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He further stated that if you are afraid of the enemy forces, then leave my side and I will fight against the enemy on my own. Hazrat Muslim anhu further states that this statement was a grand proof of the verse يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ bi shay'a." That is, the believers will worship Allah and not associate anything with Him. In other words, this refers to those people who remain firmly attached to Khilafat. This is that system which has been established through the institution of Khilafat and this shall continue to exist. Hazrat Muslim further states, The second issue was pertaining to Zakat. The companion said to Hazrat Abu Bakr that if you do not wish to stop the army from leaving, then do this much that you should form a temporary pact with them and tell them that Zakat will not be taken from them this year. And then during this time their frenzy will subside and there will be a way to put down this dissension. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that this will not happen at any cost and he did not accept this advice of theirs either. The companions then said that if the army of Osama departs and you do not temporarily reconcile with them, i.e. those who rebelled against paying zakat, then who will confront the enemy? Only the elderly and weak remain in Medina, and there are only a handful of youths here. How can they contend with an army of hundreds of thousands? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied, that my dear friends, if you are helpless against them, then Abu Bakr will set out to fight them alone. Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud states that this is the claim of an individual who was not expert in the art of war and was the statement of the one who was generally considered to possess a weak heart. Then how did he develop such courage and bravery and from where did such conviction come from? It stemmed from the fact that Hazrat Abu Bakr understood that he had been appointed to the station of Khilafat by God Almighty and to fulfill this task was his responsibility. Thus, it was his duty to confront them and it was up to God Almighty whether or not he bestowed victory. If Allah willed to grant him victory, then he will surely grant them victory and if he did not wish to grant victory to them, then even the entire army would not succeed. The decision of Hazrat Abu Bakr produced extraordinary results. Whilst mentioning this, Hazrat Muslim anhu states, that despite the contrary view held by the companions, Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Usama bin Zaid along with his army to Mota. Subsequently, this army fulfilled its mission and after 40 days returned to Medina victorious. And everyone witnessed 
the succour of God and victory with their own eyes. And after this, Hazrat Abu Bakr turned his attention to the matter of the false claimants of prophets and dealt with them in such a manner that he completely crushed this dissension and not a trace remained. Later, the same was the outcome for those who had become apostates. Even the opinions of the preeminent companions was contrary to that of Abu Bakr's. And they said that how could he raise the sword against the people who professed the oneness of God and accepted the prophethood of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but only refused to pay the zakat. However, showing the utmost bravery and courage, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that if today permission is granted to abstain from paying the zakat, then slowly people will abandon the prayer and fasting, and only the mere name of Islam would remain. Thus, under such circumstances, Hazrat Abu Bakr waged war against those who refused to pay the zakat. The result was the same, in that God Almighty granted Hazrat Abu Bakr victory and succour, and all those who had strayed off the right path returned. And these accounts will continue in the future, inshallah. And as I have been continuously reminding these days in relation to the current situation of the world, continue to pray and to not show any deficiency in your prayers. Especially pray that may the people of the world recognize their true Creator. For this is the only solution to save the world from destruction. May Allah the Almighty bestow His mercy and may He accept our prayers. Today I wish to speak about a deceased member and after the Friday prayers I will lead his funeral prayer as well. It is of respected Mulana Mubarak Nazir Ahmed Said, who has served as the principal of Jamia Ahmadiyya Canada as well as missionary in charge Canada. He passed away on 8th March at the age of 87. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah he was a Musi. He was extremely selfless, had complete trust in Allah, devoted to prayer and was content within his means. He possessed all the attributes of a dervish and whenever I saw him it seemed as though a truly saintly person was present before me. With regards to the introduction to his family, I would like to mention that he was the second son of Mulana Nazir Ahmad Ali Sahib, who was an exceptional missionary of the community and respected Amna Begum Sahiba. Ahmadiyyat was introduced in his family through his paternal grandfather, Hazrat Babu Fakir Ali Sahib, who pledged allegiance at the hands of the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam. Subsequently, Hazrat Babu Fakir Ali Sahib worked as the first station master of Qadiyan. The deceased's grandfather, owned a home in Qadiyan which was known as Fakir Manzil. On the instructions of Hazrat Muslim anhu, Mulana Mubarak Nazir Sahib's father, Hazrat Mulana Nazir Madali Sahib had the opportunity to first serve in Ghana in 1929 and later he was posted to Sierra Leone. In 1943, his father, Hazrat Mulana Nazir Madali Sahib, was returning to Sierra Leone and during this journey, Mubarak Nazir Sahib and his mother were also present. During the course of the journey, a faith-inspiring incident took place and Mulana Mubarak Nazir Sahib has narrated this incident. It was a three-month journey by ship and at the time Mubarak Nazir Sahib was 11 years old. During the journey, he fell ill and his health deteriorated to such an extent that it did not seem as though he would survive. As mentioned already, the journey was by ship. Hence, when they were about to embark, or perhaps they changed ships, and this incident is before they boarded the ship, but nonetheless, prior to boarding the ship, 
Mubarak Nazir Sahib fell ill and upon witnessing his condition, the administration of the ship said to his father that your son is at death's door and is close to his demise. If he passes away during the journey, we do not have any mortuary on board the ship or any other means to keep the body. Therefore, we cannot permit you to board the ship because of your son. However, Mawlana Sahib insisted that he had received orders from Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II and he had to board that ship. The ship's crew allowed him to board the ship on the condition that he affirm in writing that if his son died during the journey, then they would have permission to throw his body into the ocean. When the ship's captain stipulated this condition, Mubarak Nazir Sahib's mother started crying out of shock. And she said to Mawlana Nazir Ali Sahib that he was their son and so they should go on another ship. Mawlana Nazir Ali Sahib consoled his wife by saying that he was a missionary who had been assigned a mission by Hazrat Sahib. He stated that there was no telling when he would be able to find another ship. He told his wife to stay strong and nothing would happen to Mubarak. After this, he very confidently said to the captain that where do I sign? Bring the paper. He then told the captain that if he dies, you can throw him in the ocean. But I assure you that nothing will happen to him. This was the level of trust which his father had in Allah the Almighty because he was a life devotee and he had set out to propagate his faith and so God Almighty would surely protect him and his family. Thus, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, not only did that 11-year-old boy remain alive, but he lived to the age of 87 and was able to serve Islam and Ahmadiyyat. And following the footsteps of his forefathers, he had the honour of dedicating his life and established his own lofty examples of trusting Allah the Almighty whilst in the field of service. After completing his graduation, he was able to obtain a good job in a government institution where he worked for a few years. Then he read an announcement in Al-Fazl that Hazrat Muslim Maud had made an appeal for people to present themselves for life devotion or even for a temporary period. And so he resigned from his job and presented himself to Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II for temporary devotion. And then, according to the instruction of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, he was sent on his first assignment for temporary devotion to Sierra Leone in 1963, the same place where his father, Hazrat Mulana Nazir Ali Sahib, had served for a long time, and Mulvi Nazir Ali Sahib was also buried there. As soon as he reached Sierra Leone, he immediately went to his father's grave. At that time, he recalled his father's words from a captivating speech, which he delivered on 26th November 1945. In this speech, he stated that today we are embarking to perform jihad for God Almighty and to spread Islam in West Africa. Man is destined to die. And so, if any one of us dies, let it be known that there is a far-off place in the world where even the slightest plot of land belongs to Ahmadiyyat. 
And so it is the duty of Ahmadi youth to reach there and fulfill the purpose for which we have occupied this earth in the form of graves. What he meant by this was that there was a small plot of land belonging to Ahmadiyyat occupied by the grave of an Ahmadi missionary and it is due to this grave that the land is occupied. He further stated that thus our graves demand that we train our children in a manner that they fulfil the purpose for which our lives were spent. Thus, in fulfilment of his father's will, Mulana Mubarak Nazisai went to his father's grave and upon standing there stated, Labbaik, I am here to answer your call. He was able to serve at various places in Sierra Leone and afterwards, according to the instructions of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV, Rahimahullah, he returned to Pakistan in 1985. When he returned from Africa in 1985, he requested Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV, Rahimahullah, to accept his permanent life devotion rather than a temporary period of devotion and this request was accepted. And then in 1988, he was sent to Canada as a missionary where he served in various places. In 2003, it was decided to open Jamia Canada, which had been approved by Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV, and he had appointed him as the principal. However, it did not open during Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV's time, and it was opened later during my time. And I also confirmed the appointment made by Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV and he remained the principal. Thus he was the first principal of Jamia Ahmadiyya Canada. He served as principal of Jamia until 2009 and then in 2010 I appointed him as the missionary in charge Canada and he had the opportunity to serve in an excellent manner until 2018. His total term of service spanned 59 years and even his temporary period of service was essentially full-time devotion. Similarly, Maulana Sahib was appointed as a Merkaz representative for many jalsas and programs which he was able to attend. His speeches would be greatly appreciated by Jamaat members as well as externals. His speeches were very moving and would captivate the listener. In 2016, he represented me for laying the foundation of the Noor Hospital in Guatemala. He would propagate the message through articles which would be published in newspapers such as National News Canada, Toronto Star and Ottawa Citizen. Mawlana Mubarak Nazi Sahib was able to translate two books of the Promised Messiah the Jalliyate Ilahiya and Fateh Islam into English and he also translated the Gulf Crisis by Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV Rahimahullah. He is survived by his wife Amtul Hafiz Nazi Sahiba, three sons and two daughters. And as I stated earlier, he possessed many great qualities and was an exemplary life devotee and was especially exemplary for missionaries. 
His life was an embodiment of giving precedence to the faith over the world. He always served the Jamaat and remaining obedient to the Khalifa was his true objective. As I already stated, he possessed a special talent in delivering speeches and with proficiency in both Urdu and English. His speeches would have a profound impact. His wife, Amtul Hafiz Saiba, writes that he lived his entire life with piety and righteousness. He was mindful about being careful with every penny of the Jamaat and led a life of simplicity. And after leaving Sierra Leone, he continued to quietly help many poor people. She further states that I am witness to the fact that he was an excellent life devotee, an excellent husband and a kind father. He was always mindful of the fact that the Jamaat spends so much on him and was always worried about how he could be of most benefit to it. He would often say that he could never bear the displeasure of the Khalifa of the time under any circumstance. His children have also shared their experiences and all of them have mostly written that their father had firm faith in Allah the Almighty and in the hereafter. He had firm conviction in Khilafat and the Nizam of the Jamaat. He had a great deal of trust in Allah the Almighty and he often said that Allah the Almighty would never forsake him and would always come to his aid and this truly was the manner in which Allah the Almighty treated him. Whenever he went to make appeals for financial sacrifices, whether as missionary in charge or upon being sent by a Misaib or even after he retired when he became ill and the Jamaat would continue to benefit from his service, he would always make appeals for financial contributions and would have a great impact on people. And this was because he would first contribute himself and then advise the rest of the Jamaat to do so. His elder daughter states that he always advised us to have a strong bond with Khilafat Ahmadiyyat and always strove to instill within us love and respect for the Jamaat. It was his desire for us to act upon every guidance of Khalifatul Masih. She further states that there was really a gathering in which he did not advise these things. Whenever his grandchildren gathered, they all knew that he would sit them down and advise them and this advice would include the fact that they should not become engrossed in worldly affairs. Rather, they should make certain of their connection with Allah the Almighty and Khilafat. She further states that he would tell us that the work of this Jamaat will always be completed and there is no doubt in this. And if we did not serve the Jamaat, then Allah the Almighty would bring others to render great service. His younger daughter writes about an incident that once in Sierra Leone, while a mosque was being built and the workers sought their wages, my father did not have the sufficient funds to pay them. Hence, Mulana Mubarak Nazi Sahib told them that they should return the next day and he would give them their wages. And so the next morning when Mubarak Nazi Sahib came out of his home, he found the workers standing there waiting while the money had not yet been arranged. And so he told the workers that he still did not have the money, but he was praying and they should wait a little while longer 
And inshallah, Allah the Almighty will swiftly provide the means. She states that meanwhile a car came racing towards him and he was given an envelope with money in it and he was told that a person had heard that he was building a mosque and so he sent some money for him. And before my father could ask who had sent the money, the car quickly raced away after giving the envelope. She says that he was convinced that Allah the Almighty had heard his prayer and he used the money to then pay the workers. Thus, this was the standard of his trust in Allah and the manner in which Allah the Almighty treated him. Many people, including missionaries, have written countless incidents similar to this, showing his trust in Allah the Almighty and the manner in which he treated him. And as I said earlier, that he certainly was a scholar who practiced what he preached, and this is why his speeches were so impactful, and yet he was extremely humble before Khilafat. May Allah the Almighty elevate his station, enable his progeny to follow in his footsteps and accept his prayers in their favour. And may Allah the Almighty continue to bestow the Jamaat with such people who render selfless service. Those missionaries who have graduated from Jamia, Canada have especially written many incidents of how he trained them, taught them how to do tabligh, taught them morals and taught them about faith. And so these missionaries were able to benefit a great deal from him. And they should bear in mind that these incidents are not simply for the sake of remembering or recalling them. Rather, these missionaries should practically implement these examples. May Allah the Almighty enable them to do so. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmudu, and a stainu, and a stahiru, when omino behe, one of the Kalo Ale, when Auzu Billah, he been sure and وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُّ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشَدُ اللَّهُ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ رَسُولُهُ إِبْعَادَ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهُ يَعْمَرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِسَانِ Allah, 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 Allah,